professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together and talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mike. We'll always love you, Temple. And I'm Superstar Shane. Welcome to episode 78, Clash of the Champions 21. We're back, baby. Woo! Clash can drink, and so can I. <laughs> I wish that I had even... A little bit of ability when it came to singing, because Mike, Mike's works. Yeah, Mike. like no, yeah, no, like just the <laughs> Mike will always love you. If I could just drown that out, I got nervous. I couldn't sing it. So this was the twenty-first edition of the Clash, produced by WCW. It would take place on November eighteenth, nineteen ninety-two, at the Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia. I don't have an attendance. Mm, yeah, because I mean, it doesn't like to tell me on these clash ones. They just, ah, you, they're all, all the tickets were one off the radio. You just gave them away. That's, gave the, away. that's my kayfabe. Will you cheer if we give you this ticket? Yeah, please? I, wanna, I will. Please? If there's anything that's easy to cheer for, it's a wrestling show. That's true. You're like, even if you don't know what's going on, just like yelling for the good guy or the bad guy is always fun. Absolutely. We're back in Georgia where we hang out quite a lot. Hey, mm-hmm. it's it's the WCW. So, so it's way. kind of it's, it's kind of uh, like Shane's little puzzle. Flair country? <laughs> it's not Flair country at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping one day for a Carolina, but yeah, I mean I know it's I know Flair, but like you know WCW, uh, NWA, Georgia, it's then. all it's it's Ric Flair forever. But Shane's food trip around the world brings us back to Georgia. Back to Georgia. And what did you bring us today? Well, the last time we were in Georgia, I made that awesome little grilled pimento cheese and fried green tomato sandwich with bacon that was killer so i decided look up more stuff for georgia and looking around georgia they they mention a lot of the same things it's famous for barbecue it's famous for pimento cheese i'm gonna be honest when i think georgia i don't think barbecue i don't either but it's it's on the list of of the foods to check out in uh, in georgia when i was researching but then I came across this picture, and it jumped off the screen and like slapped me in the face and said, "Eat me." And That's so I decided, uh, "Hey, my food takes me seriously." When I find it on <laughs> my food takes me seriously. <laughs> yeah, this place was called Fox Brothers Fox Brothers Barbecue. That's what it is. Uh, but they have a what they call their quote unquote burger, and it jumped off the screen and, as I said, slapped me in the face and said, "Eat me." It's not your typical burger. It is more barbecue-shaped to form a burger. Chopped brisket, again, topped with some deliciously spicy, creamy pimento cheese, some crispy bacon, some roasted uh, jalapenos. The Fox Brothers one has jalapeno mayo or aioli. Uh, so we went for just the, uh, the roasted jalapenos in place of it because that pimento cheese has a lot of uh, flavor and creaminess creaminess and yeah so Absolutely. it didn't need a sauce double down on the pimento i didn't realize pimento was a georgia thing either. Mm. 
If why not? If it is, then that's one then of the reasons that I'm loving to, to be some not, Georgia. I don't mind g- uh, continuing to go back. I've never been a big <laughs> pimento cheese guy, but I've now yeah. had oh. two things with pimento cheese that I oh. really enjoy. Most people, when great. I say pimento cheese, I don't know if they picture like pimento loaf, the old sandwich meat, and yeah. automatically yeah, that's gross. it turns their... I think that is what I usually think of. Yeah, because I said the same thing to my sister. I said pimento cheese, and she just kind of shrugged up her nose and... Ugh. It's like, like, oh, do you like cheese? Because it's just cheese, guys. It's just cheese with, you know, some more flavor. Yeah. I don't eat gross food, so anybody, if I tell you you should try something, you should try something. But Fox Brothers Barbecue, their burger recreation, thanks to the the work of my friends over at Iron Star, which you can also get a delicious pimento burger from there, only it doesn't come with the the brisket. Yeah. Try it. Go Have there. one. If you order like spice, you menu. like flavor, it's delicious. Everybody likes it when you go to a restaurant and order off the menu. Everyone loves it. <laughs> but while they're taking a bite of those delicious sandwiches, very delicious. Tell you about something that happened around the same time as the show. The soundtrack for The Bodyguard would release the day before, and the movie would come out the next week. The album itself would go on to be the best-selling soundtrack of all time, and one of the best-selling albums of all time as well. It sold more than the Titanic soundtrack? Yes. Yes. All right. Because it was... Those are both soundtracks that really only have one song on them, right? Is there any other songs on Bodyguard. Bodyguard. Oh, it's like a full Whitney Houston album? Yeah, it's it's like what Lady Gaga did with the uh, Star is Born soundtrack, Uh, Whitney Houston did with the Bodyguard soundtrack. Except for... That movie was acclaimed, whereas this one was not? Correct. It... The The album sold 45 million copies, won the Grammy for Album of the Year, while the movie was nominated for seven Golden Raspberries, <laughs> which yes. is the opposite of the Academy Awards. Yeah, the, the, the troll, the, the troll uh, Oscars. Yes. yes. Now, The Bodyguard, I love the soundtrack. I mean, back in the day, there you couldn't do better than Whitney Houston. I mean, you you could try, but you couldn't quite finish the deal. I feel like and there's no way nobody knows that song. Even if you're like 20 years old, you probably still know that song, right? I don't so. know at this really? time. It feels. I mean, I don't know. I was Did those kids I was that a are listening kid. to music on YouTube. Have they done this song, or have they heard that one already? Yeah, is this a TikTok thing that I don't know about? I don't know if they've done Bodyguard or not. I know they've done like Phil Collins and. Which was a great one. Yeah. I know that the... Uh, I remember hearing that the song from uh, Ponyo became a big early TikTok thing, which I thought was funny. I was like, oh, a movie that nobody's seen? It's, a old, it's a animated... Uh, yeah, it's like an animated movie. The guy that made Spirited Away. Okay. but Japanese animation. Yeah, not a hugely popular movie, but no. the song is adorable. So I guess that's why it was turned into a TikTok thing. I guess so. Like, my general memories, like, I was actually surprised whenever I found out that this movie, the movie itself, was nominated for Raspberries, because I was like... You assume it's I, good. I remember the, liking the movie, but maybe it was just because I loved the soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, the soundtrack yeah. built it up a lot. I know the one song, every time I, like, you know, I will always love you, I can, I did that picture of Whitney Houston, like, just in the dark. Like, illuminated by light with her, like, you know, like, short haircut and, like, a blazer on or whatever it is. It's like, oh, like, it's burned in my memory. Yeah, I mean, the the soundtrack, 
it just kept kicking out hit after hit after hit. You got, really? obviously, I Will Always Love You. You got Queen of the Night, which that's the one that always jumps out at me. That's a great song. It's, I'll have to listen to the soundtrack. I only know the one song. It's got this rockin' beat to it. And I mean, it's basically Whitney Houston. Did you ever see the Janet Jackson Black Cat? Do you remember that song? Yeah, yes. we talked about that we song. About yeah. We talked it's, about how that song did, doesn't did, exist. That song sucks. Not, he did not like that. You didn't like that one? Okay. I, okay. Well, then but you I might mean, not like this one. I think it's because that song doesn't same... have a hook. Like Black Cat doesn't have a hook. This one, it just has that same. Only it's Whitney Houston done up as this, you know, mega celebrity in the movie on stage and this. I'm down with the rock vibes. And... Not down with it, the song not having a hook. Come and on. Then the I Have Nothing song. Um, I'm trying to think of what else was on there. Those are the three that are jumping out at me. Yeah, uh, well, you can't go wrong. This this one. Tomorrow morning with my cup of coffee. Christmas I'll bust in the earbuds at work. Shane got his first CD. Oh, is your and first CD? It was the Bodyguard soundtrack. Hell yeah! So, what did you play it in? A uh, boombox. You probably didn't my have first CD player. Too, the, so. Yeah, the portable CD player was trash this early on. You have to wait till you get that's the like, yeah, it was a the skip tech or whatever, because early portable CD players were just no good. Yeah, the disc would just fall out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah, like you couldn't couldn't move. So it's like, what's the point? Yeah, because if you picked it up and you know took a step, it would wobble a little bit. If it was yeah. one of the top loader ones, you get those ones. It's like fifteen second, like whatever. Like that's the stuff that I like using like high school and middle school and stuff. Well, let's head off to the show. We get the logo for Clash of the Champions coming on the screen before a video package is shown with narration hyping the matches for the show. We then go to Jim Ross and Jesse, the Body Ventura, who welcome us, and they hype up the matches some more before sending us to another video package. Yep, and I already noticed the crowd was pretty lively. Absolutely. Just saying. So this video package would show Paul E. Dangerously weighing in. Paul E., the man, 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 dangerously? Not the woman, woman, woman. No, no. And he's saying he will weigh 188. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the people measure. Uh, I mean, Paulie is probably this is him in the, like the best shape he's ever been in. But I'm still like probably a little over 188. But they say he's 192. <laughs> oh so my he gosh! Throws his jacket off, mm. and we get Paul E wearing some green underwear so he can reach his target weight. Paul, dad bod, dangerously. People still his dad bod stuff. Like. I mean, it was stupid in the first place. But this is a uh, this is a good excuse. To, Bring up that relic of a joke. That's not a dad bod though. Dad bods are like fit with a little bit of a pudge to them. Oh, Polly's just. Like, Polly's, I don't know. It I looks better than I do. Weight, but it didn't work <laughs> out, so it's just here. Well, a dad bod expert, <laughs> Shane I mean, O'Mac. Hey, can I say I, I like a good dad bod? So, Medusa then steps on the scales and she's at one forty-four, but the entire time she's on, on the scale, dangerously is behind her, just like. Yelling yeah. at her, and how is Medusa 144? I guess she's muscle, fucking muscle. she's beefy as fuck. That's for sure. Yeah, it's in those uh, those wonderful strong thighs of hers. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> but she gets tired of hearing it, so she just jumps off the scale, trying to attack him. But security keeps them separated. Yes. Save it for the ring. Wow. Like Polly is so good. We all know this. He's great, but. Medusa's also so fucking good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We then go to Tony Schiavone, who's with Cowboy Bill Watts, and he doesn't really say anything other than thanks for watching. Yeah, has he ever said anything in his life? Yeah, I mean, he usually great. gives us some news of injuries or some bullshit yeah. rule change that 
yeah. he's putting into place. But well, we cancel. All he makes Gordon Soli so. look like Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> That's true. Like <laughs> we then go to Teddy Long and Michael P.S. Hayes, and they hype up the matches some more because I don't know if you guys know this, but they're now announcers on some of the TV shows. Yeah, so that's I why they're... learned that here kind of loosely as it went on. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, P.S. is, PS is uh, backing off out of the ring, and I feel like it's been a minute. Like, Teddy's just so in and out all the time Yeah. that it's like, did I see him recently, or has it been a while? Because it's never that long of a wait, but sometimes he's just gone, and then you forget about him, and he shows up, you're like, ah, oh, it's Teddy, I love Teddy. All he has to do is he's just got to show back up, and he has to say the word playa, and it's like he's been there. Mm. Never left. I love, I miss ref Teddy with the, like, thin <laughs> hair drape, the, the, the skirted eggshell. And one of the matches they're talking about uh, contains Eric Watts, and Hayes has a great line here that, where he says, Watts. I'd hate you even if your last name was Hayes. Oh, so good. Eric Watts is the fucking worst. It's like the downfall of 90s wrestling started with... I mean, I'm about to find out, so I guess we'll work our way through it. Teddy then gives us some late-breaking news and tells us that Brian Pillman has suffered a knee injury. But he's at ringside right now. And we go there. And with Jesse there with Pillman. Ventura sells last clash. It was Brad Armstrong who was hurt, so he couldn't wrestle. Mm, we remember and, that and, promo. And Brian says, I, now I understand what he was going through. Oh, you little weasel. Armstrong then storms down to ringside as well. Pillman makes a public apology for the way he acted, telling him if it would make him feel better to go ahead and slap him. The worm has turned. As Jesse starts to ask Brad what he thinks, Brian takes his crutch and hits Armstrong over the head and in the leg. The worm did a full 360. Stabbing him, <laughs> just working him over with his crutch. Oh yeah, he breaks the crutch over over his leg. All of a sudden you hear Pee Wee Anderson, who's the ref in the <laughs> ring, yell, I'm going to have to disqualify you. And Brian yells back, you can't disqualify me. The match hasn't started yet. <laughs> and this is when we find out about the match. I love that the microphones caught that too. Yeah. <laughs> so the first match, flying Brian Pillman versus Brad Armstrong. Pillman hits a knee lift as the bell rings, starts chopping away. Brad starts fighting back only for Brian to dive at the knee, making the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. And he does the, he gets him from behind, I believe. Yeah. Like right behind the knee, basically like you're, Brian Pillman doing the like three point stance, like but from behind and uh, basically going after the yeah, knee that Armstrong the, had hurt. Yeah, flip bump pin, and what a good way to just make Brian Pillman a real piece of shit, a real beautiful piece of shit. Beautiful piece of shit. We then go to Jr. and Jesse. They send it to a video package, where we get narration over the confrontation between Paul E. and Medusa at Halloween Havoc '92, where Dangerously ran her down. So she responded with a chick kick before security pulled her away. We then see Medusa having training sessions in martial arts before cutting a promo saying everyone is going to call him Paulina. <laughs> we see Paul E. going through a training regimen of his own with it's, the members of the Dangerous Alliance. It's fucking art. This, like, Paul E. workout like, package is fucking art. 
So they're all standing in the ring with some kind of with some jobber, and he punches him, but the jobber no sells it, and as but dangerously he's like celebrating mm-hmm. the punch, and Steve Austin like punches him to <laughs> knock him down. It's to beautiful make, to make Polly feel better. <sighs> we then get another verbal confrontation between Polly and Medusa in the back, which gets so bad, like. The, it's rough. He's like he's like you were born stupid and shit like that. Like I did not write down what he said because it is so vile. Yep. You didn't. I'm, I, I I probably didn't write it down, assuming that you were gonna get it. But I mean, I guess we have standards here, and Polly has none. But it's so bad that the alliance that is the dangerous alliance is around Paul oh, E when he starts God. yelling, and they're like, they, nah, dog. They're just like. Nope. Yeah, it's and like they, they all disappear. They all end up walking away. Yeah, it's it's just so so well done. But Medusa finally has enough and just starts chasing him as Polly dangerously runs off through the crowd. My only complaint with any of this is that like I understand that some people like when they get like really really angry, they they just like tear up and it's not that they're like sad, they're just so angry that they're like overfilled with emotion. But with Medusa, like, that's not the vibe that I get from her tears. And I'm like, no tears. I don't want any tears no. from Medusa because she's, she doesn't, like, Polly, like, it's like, she's Medusa. She's fucking badass. We've all her. seen her. She just look at her and you're like, well, that woman could kick my ass. Like, what is the, what is the deal here? But, like, her tears are something that kind of, it's a small, small, small detractor. It's a smart thing to do, but I just, like... Because I'm like, if she, so cool. if she doesn't show any emotion, then and, and she just like stands yeah. there and takes it before kicking his ass, then it's like, yeah, she, I mean, like, that has no emotions and it's, it's like true. it's hard to get on her side. A I little just bit. don't want her to look see, like it's like it's actually to... bothering her coming from that fucking scumbag. But yeah. I guess that's why this one of the reasons it works. I wanted her to do kind of along the same thing of not do the the sad tears. You know, if anything, show that it's bugging her more of a more angry the, tears. Yeah. Show the the anger starting to build through instead of the. Because I mean, if you yeah. watch her and listen to as she was talking, it was more of a. You know, like, Stop it! Don't say be, that. Yeah, Why yeah. Are you doing this? Yeah. I can't believe you're saying this. No. Like I'm fine with the tears, but like she just. Yeah. Felt, I felt like that. I want to see the. It's, bitch a, start it's a small dumb complaint. I want to see the bitch inside start brewing mm. and then just blow up. We then get Michael Hayes with Paul E in the back live. And dangerously just continues his sexist rhetoric, including... Hey, he's a, he's a man, man, man in a man, man, man's world. He does use the line, The only sacrifice women make is when they're 16 years old in the back of their boyfriend's car. Yeah, that's, that was fucking awful. <laughs> I mean, he says a lot of awful stuff. And as he's saying those things, we see the jobber from earlier in the video package show up asking for money for the workout. And they're just, they just kind of shoo him off, like, mm-hmm. yes. like what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Go, 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 see, go see Aaron, he's over there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so well done. I'm sure they were like, all right, Paulie, you got this right? And he's like, oh, believe me, I have this under control. I'm still trying to figure out who the jobber was, too. He looked vaguely familiar. They said his name during the It was later Bill, on. Bill Watts Jr., Eric Watts' other brother. Oh, the talented one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So. I remember hearing him say it, but I can't for the life of me think of what it was. It was the Brooklyn, uh, bra- the Macon, the Georgia Macon brawler. It wasn't someone that it's I Dan Shivey. 
<laughs> not Spivey. Dan and Dan Shivey. I didn't recognize the name, so I just kept calling him John. Dan Spivey's secret twin brother, Dan Shivey. <laughs> Different last name. We then go to the second match of The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, and beautiful Bobby Eaton with Michael PSAs versus Kenzuke Senzaki and Eric Watts in a bounty tag team match. Yay. So you're asking what a bounty tag team match is? I didn't say it, but you saw it. What was the bounty part? I, f- I feel like I've done a few of these episodes yeah. with Michael that I know what he's going to yeah, ask. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like... Well, pe- so Paul E. has put a cash bounty on Watts's head to have someone injure him because everyone hates Eric Watts. Well, if we had a time machine and 80 bucks, I bet Shane would do it first. I do. <laughs> Shit, I wouldn't even need the 80 bucks. I'd just do it just to get him the fuck out of the ring because worthless. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I said it. Save it. Save it for the pinfall. So beautiful Bobby shows disrespect early on, slapping Eric across the back of the head. God, that would be awesome. Only for Watts to return <laughs> the favor, slapping Bobby across the face. Eaton then locks on an ab stretch, which Eric escapes with an arm drag and charges in, but beautiful Bobby ducks sending Watts out to the floor. But he immediately gets back into the ring and leaps off the second rope, which Eaton ducks, so Eric returns with a clothesline. Bobby with a monkey flip of Kanzuki, but he comes right back with a dropkick. Suzaki charges into the corner, but Anderson pulls Eaton out of the way, and then beautiful Bobby dumps Kanzuki out to the floor, where Hayes hits a cheap shot. Double A begins choking Suzaki while PS gets another cheap shot in, which brings Watts over to confront Hayes, but the ref is there to break it up, which allows the alliance to work over Kazuke. Eaton misses a clothesline, and Suzaki hits a power slam. Eric's in with a monkey flip into some ground and pound, a back body drop, and Arn and Kazuki both come in to brawl as well. Watson hits a fireman's carry for a two count, but Bobby goes to the eyes, heads to the top rope, only for Eric to catch him with a shot to the gut. Locks on the STF for the submission and the win. I loved Arn's, uh, you know, moment where he saves his buddy. Okay, Shane. Floor is yours. I hate Eric Watts. He was fine here. I hate Eric Watts. He's green. He's green, Eric but Watts. like, it's, he still did some stuff. He's not... Like, I mean, is... I'm sure he probably doesn't go on to do anything great or whatever. But I was like, Ugh, like, this I never heard a... you complain about it earlier. And I was like, this was fine. This is a documented case of a pissing contest between Dusty Rhodes and Bill the... Watts. I mean, I'm... Dusty Rhodes' son comes in and can do all this stuff. He's great in the ring. He gets the crowd's attention. He's he can a manipulate. natural? Yeah, he's a natural. <laughs> You're not going to get me to to, uh, fight that. But then, you know, Bill Watts, with all the success that Dusty's son is having, thinks, I should bring in mine. And this is what we get. We get a guy who can barely move in a ring, who does one of the sloppiest STFs I've seen (laughs) in any match over all of my years, has no personality, has no crowd interaction, should not be put into this type of a match this soon. You know who I felt the worst for in this entire match? Kazuke, Kazuke? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you have to tag with Eric Watts tonight. Yeah, yeah. 
Like we're gonna bring Muda over and we're gonna have him pin, get pinned three times. We're I mean, I'm Sasuke sure that I will and or Sasaki over and he's gonna get Eric Watts as a tag team partner. I'm sure that I'll have. I mean, I'm not into the nepotism. Eric, there's no way Eric Watts should have won this, but this is the only time I saw him, and I don't think it was like the worst showing I've seen in a ring. Twenty for, like, years a from quick, this show, for a match you're be complaining just as hard about Garrett Bischoff, which. Yeah, he, he at least had a better look, but just as little What about talent. David Flair? I'll complain about yeah, David he, Flair well, he's too. dead. We can't complain about him. We no. can. Dead. Is he no. dead? He's not the dead one? No, that's okay. Reed. Yeah, that's Reed. Sorry. We then go to the locker room. Tony Schiavone's there with Teddy Long and Johnny B. Bad. And Bad has some boxing gloves on and is getting ready for a three-round fight. Uh, did you know that he's a bad man? A bad, bad man. We then go to a video package where Scotty Flamingo knocks Johnny out with a roll of coins in his hand. Mm, the old $10 punch? Is it $10 a roll of quarters? Yeah. Okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> Nailed it. So that's what set up this yeah. match. Ten buck punch. Tony's then with Scotty in his locker room, and we get Vinny Vegas, Diamond Dallas Page, and a guy who looks like Don King from the back. Oh, yes. Who's kneeling in front of Scotty, but... Mm-hmm. Which appears to be like jerking him off in the process. Oh come on! Did you watch? It did look kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, it was weird, but I knew he wasn't trying. He's on to his go. knees in front of him, and all you see is his hands. You can't see his hands. You can see his arms moving, and just I'm, I'm assuming he's like he's tying the gut gloves. punching he's tying or something. The gloves no, up. Scotty's Scotty's got his hands up. So well, that's maybe, that's the thing that's creepy. Maybe Scotty was. It's like the guy's ripping this like, poor man, punching him in the stomach to. You know, I, mean, the abs ready. I mean, I uh, mean, you know, Don King. Sorry. And Tony interviews Vegas, and he says, the odds are 75 to 1, my man eats a canvas. And then makes a lot of boxing analogies. Mm-hmm. And So, eat the canvas, does that mean loses? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. He, he, he's the 75 to 1 underdog. He's a real, uh, oh, okay. they, uh, we, in the business we call it a mat muncher. Is that what you call it? I don't know, I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> he's eating the canvas, he's a mat muncher. So we're off to our third match, Johnny B. Bad with Teddy Long versus Scotty Flamingo with Diamond Dallas Page and Vinny Vegas in a boxing match. JR asked Jesse if he had anything to do with the choosing of the ring girl, because if he did, he did well. <laughs> See, those comments worked back in 1992 as opposed to 2020, JR. <laughs> And they let us know that there will be three two-minute rounds with a one-minute rest period between each. I love boxing matches in the middle of wrestling shows. Mm-hmm. Bad gets a lot of jabs in early on that send Flamingo out to the floor, which I was just like, did, did we not rope off the <laughs> rope off no, the no, rings? No, no, no. Like, it's not a real boxing yeah, match. I didn't think about that part. Yeah. Once back in, Johnny continues to dominate, knocking him down once again until Vegas gets on the apron to distract the ref, allowing Scotty to clothesline Bad. Johnny's back up and Flamingo is throwing haymakers until Bad regroups, bobbing and weaving his way, knocking Scotty down again. But he's saved by the bell. So during the rest period, we see a shot of DDP filling Flamingo's glove with, with water. water. Yes. Not, it's more. not sand or quarters. More water. So when the bell rings, Scotty's even having a hard time getting up from his stool because he's 
Yeah, that glove's heavy. He got beat up, too. He got beat up in that first round. I mean, yeah, round. like, Johnny B. Bad is... Uh, he's a Golden Gloves winner. He's twice as big as... He's also... I believe they say he's from Macon, Georgia, which I don't know if that's real. Is Mark is old Marky, Marky Marrow from there? I, I mean, it doesn't say. matter. I but I was like, maybe exactly, maybe they're just trying to get people to care. No, no, yeah. yeah. I want to say it. I'm trying to, like, play back the, the ring entrances in my head. He, but he, I'm said, he says he does, yeah. Yeah. Is this our first... Vinny Vegas? I guess no. He's no, no. That's not true. Because I mean, I know we did the Oz thing, but yeah, we've seen Vinny Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrestled against, or was he with? He just hasn't been super active. I, I, I'm having a vision of him in the ring with Ricky Morton. Yes. Yeah. I can remember if that was. It him. was on the show. It was on one of those shows where they told him that they had a really good match. It was the Liger, Liger Pillman. Oh yeah. Match show. Mm. If you have a good match, you was get it, a bonus. Was it Super Brawl? The one show that we really, really liked, and then the guy left afterwards. Yeah. That match. Yeah. That show. Thanks, guy. So Johnny just starts continuing the attack in the second round with oh, yeah. more jabs and starts to wind up for the big KO. But DDP distracts him from the apron, allowing Flamingo to get one good swing in. Water shot. Knocks bad out mm-hmm. for the win. Too. Yeah. Man, I love Flamingo's uh, boxing shorts here. They're super cool. I did not like the, uh, <laughs> the blush on Flamingo's cheeks. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's got makeup on? <laughs> All right. I guess he's just trying to, you know, go tit go for tat with... Uh, cheek to cheek with old Johnny. Uh-huh, yes. We then go to a video package showing highlights from Starcade 1991. Wasn't that a great show? The toilet bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it goes through the random drawing and how unpredictable it could be by showing Sting and Abdullah the Butcher having to team again against Brian Pillman and Bobby Eaton. It's the longest promo for a thing that happened like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really, like they could have accomplished it in so much less time. I was like, why is this going to build into the this year? Or is it a, like, why is this so long? Very weird. Because they're going to do the battle bowl. And I know that, but the lottery thing again. still, like the, it's like, why do we need to see this much Abby? Like, what's going on here? There was something in this highlight package that I noticed, I don't know if I noticed it when we covered it, but Pillman actually celebrates when Sting wins. Yeah. Even though that meant that his team lost. That's because he was still the, the I mean, ultimate I mean, good guy back yeah. then. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't get pissed off at Z-Man <sighs> or Brad Armstrong yet to show his true rage. We then see highlights of the Battle Bowl uh, with Sting winning. And then we get the call, call your local cable operator to get Starcade 92. And I did, but they told me I was 28 years too old. Oh, uh, so. yeah. Uh, Starcade 92, Toilet Bowl 2. See, I'm, I miss the, the days of being able to call my local cable, op- cable operator and order a pay-per-view. That was, I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. It's like, like missing the sound of dial-up. Oh, where, yeah. You know, every Definitely. now and then you just want to hear it. And that's how it was back in the day with ordering pay-per-views was... So you know, you'd get the build up for it as you're calling, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and then all of a sudden they get through and you tell them that you want to order it, and they tell you that, all right, you're good to go, make sure you have your TV set to channel 306 or whatever it is. And yeah, give me that credit card number. <laughs> and, I don't know, it's just, then you have that internal glow for the next week because somebody on the phone told you that you're going to get to watch, I don't know, Battle Bowl. Yeah, nostalgia is a hell of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Pushing a button on your phone yeah. now and just having it show on the screen that, you know... 
Well, give it completed. Give it five years, and everything new piece of like television or uh, film is all going to take place in the '90s because right now it all takes place in the '80s. So once we get there, you'll have plenty of dial-up sounds. I'm anticipating, you know, they've got Glow going right now on Netflix. I wonder if we're going to get like Raw or or something like that. Your ECW version (laughs) of Glow? I don't think so. (laughs) Glow also stopped being about wrestling pretty quick. Because wrestlers are more than just their characters. You got to show the backstory. I mean, yeah. I like the show. It's a soap opera. I like soap operas. And this is our review of Glow. (laughs) It's good. The third season got a little wacky. Old Zach and Donald can talk about Star Wars all the time, then we're going to talk about everything else. Again, I'm throwing out another podcast shout-out to oh, yeah. my, my celebrity friends, Zach Braff and Donald Faison, who obviously listen to the show every week, and you should too. Jesse Ventura and Missy Hyatt are then in the ring with a tumbler. It's our favorite part of the show, guys. Oh, yeah. Why, because Missy's here? And they draw the first names for the two teams for this year's version of the, the Lethal Lottery. Hole. It will be Cactus Jack and Johnny V. Bad. And then a split screen comes on, but I couldn't tell who was in it. I was trying to figure... I saw Paul Orndorff. He was the old guy in the center. Was he really? Yeah. Because I know... I remember he came back around this time. But I couldn't figure out... There was two guys to his left. One of them was wearing a mask. But I couldn't tell who he was or the guy behind him. The guy... The blonde guy next to him... At first, I swore that was Steve Austin. But... Was he, it? He, I don't think, was with Paul Orndorff at the time. I might be wrong. I don't know. But they'll be matched up versus Dangerous Dan Spivey Ooh. and Heavy Metal Van Hammer. Ooh. Well, Yay. we know what won't be a good opening match. We know what it won't. But we also know that this is, this is happening before the show. So anything can happen. So it's nice to know that the Lethal Lottery, like, some of these matches are not happening all on Starcade, I popped for that. I was like, okay, well, we're going to get some of this out of no, the way. No, that match is going to happen on Starcade. Yeah, just oh. It's just the first, the first match. I thought they were going to get some of this out of the way before that. I'm wondering if this was their only, like... So this is your teaser? This is, this is their Jack. teaser. That's your teaser? This is their teaser to be like, oh, guys, you gotta get this, this is show. what Lethal Lottery is all about. Yeah, Cactus Jack and Johnny about this kind of match right here. Yeah, because, my God. Yeah. The, like I like Bad and Jack, but still don't care about them tag teaming. We did get an ad for WCW Slam Jams oh, yeah. Volume uh, One. I I uh, tried to see if I could find this CD on the internet, like for purchase, just to see a physical copy of it. Pretty sure it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like it is uh, non-existent. You can, to, you can listen to the whole thing on YouTube. Yeah, that's there, but like just. A physical copy you'd imagine would be out there just to like see photos of and it's just like non-existent so you know, like they send it in a uh, in like a paper sleeve <laughs> like in I mean, the mail or something when the number two wrestling company in the world with the worst absolute music for all of their superstars decides but to i think this is a, a collection of music this is an album that has like lyrics and stuff though oh it does but yeah they're so just it's different as, the the little bits that they played on the commercials were just as bad as the shit you hear when people are walking down I the ring. i think that we need to do a listen along where we hey. listen to it and then talk about the songs what type of alcohol will we have with that? Because we uh, need a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, an Alabama jam. <laughs> there we go. We'll bring back all of our, all of our stuff we've had. All of had. our previous cocktails. We'll bring back the Bushwhacker. We'll bring back the... Jaeger bombs. Jaeger bombs <laughs> and the Scarlet O'Hara's. <laughs> the Scarlet letters. Just down each one. <laughs> <laughs> all 
I mean, I think there's 12, so, there's 12 songs, so I probably need 12 drinks. Yeah, but I think once you get the first chorus, it'll be just a sing-along. That's fun. Or will it? I mean, I don't and know. Some of those down. songs are pretty bad. Yeah, Where's PN them. News when you need them? Hey! hey. Oh! <laughs> We're off to our fourth match. Cactus Jack. Tony Atlas. And the Barbarian. Versus Ron Simmons. And a mystery partner. The world's strongest man, Tony Atlas. In a ghetto odds match. I didn't catch that. Gary Michael Capetta did say ghetto odds. What does that even mean? It's a handicap match. Uh, I guess, yeah. Because it's Ron Simmons, Tony Atlas, and a mystery partner who were black. So you have to use the word ghetto. So they said ghetto odds. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like... Come on, guys. Really? You just call it a handicapped match. Mm-hmm. So the last time we saw Tony Atlas was as Samba Simba at Royal Rumble 1991. See, I was trying to remember if he had been Samba Simba yet or not. I couldn't remember for sure. That was episode 52. I don't even remember. Check that one out. I don't even remember. He was probably in and out. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. basically the character of Samba Simba. Was <laughs> in and out. So Simmons and his partner run down to the ring to attack the others, with Ron knocking Atlas and the Barbarian out of the ring, while the mystery partner would dropkick Cactus Jack. JR and Jesse have no clue who the mystery partner is. Which is kind of wild. Did either of you know who it was before they told us who it was? Yeah, I did. At the time, back in 92, I did not. But yeah, then, you didn't know who it was. Yeah, yeah, that that little face. He's got such a tiny little face, okay. and always that flat top. Yeah, back then I hadn't seen him before, so he was new to me. But then I also one of the best the next few years, best names, like wrestling names. Absolutely, that one. Yes, what happens later? Nah. So Jack and his compadres are regrouping on the floor when the partner hits a tope to land on top of the trio. And JR tells us that Simmons' original partner, Robbie Walker, was out injured. Somebody we also don't know. He just ends up being a jobber throughout his entire career. So, mm-hmm. so once the match Perfect finally. Partner s- to pick for a <laughs> world champion. Well, he, was, he was black as well. So, but, um, yeah, but this guy's got moves. The other guy's, uh, you know. Let's just say this guy gets over with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing Pillman stuff, but he's a little bigger than Pillman. Once the match settles back in. Simmons clears the ring again, dragging Barbarian, drop-kicking Atlas, and hitting a spinebuster on Cactus Jack. The mystery partner comes in, flipping out of a suplex attempt from Jack, and hits multiple forearms, and leaps off the corner with a moonsault that catches Cactus Jack by surprise. It kind of looked like he was expecting crossbody instead of the moonsault. Yeah, the, um, our mystery partner, while extremely athletic, has some sloppy moments here mm-hmm. but he gets a pass because he's flipping through the air the crowd's kind of like whatever holy crap who is this guy like, what is going on right yeah, now? yeah technically he's quote unquote new so mm-hmm. another drop kick by the partner before simmons comes in to face plant jack goes for a drop kick but cactus jack holds onto the ropes to avoid barbarians in with some elbow drops and tony's in to hammer away on ron Jack's back in to lead a triple team on Ron. A back body drop by Barbarian and Cactus Jack off the second rope with an elbow drop. 
but Simmons gets a boot up into the chin, crawls to his corner for the hot tag. The mystery partner flips into the ring, hits a spinning heel kick to Atlas, drop kicks to everybody. Oh, yeah. A pier six breaks out with Ron giving a double noggin knocker to Barbarian and Jack, while Tony tosses the partner out to the floor, allowing them to triple team Simmons. Barbarian goes for the kick of fear. Not the kick of fear. But Ron moves, so Atlas gets nailed. Simmons then clotheslines both Barbarian and Cactus Jack to the floor, while the mystery partner does a 450 oh, splash. wild. Way ahead of his time. For the pin and, and the win. And new mystery partner, 450 champion of the world. Jesse catches up with Ron Simmons at ringside and asks, Who is this guy? His actions speak for themselves. This man has what it takes to go all the way to the top. His name is Two Cold Scorpio. Two Green Scorpio here, but, you know, he gets colder as as time moves on. Scorpio then challenges the entire locker room. Hell yes. (laughs) Step up to the plate. Yeah, he's like... Promo is, like, kind of shaky, but just, like, him challenging everybody is, uh, you know, some some big dick move I can get behind. Especially after you just did a 450 <laughs> to, like, as in your debut. Yeah. Come on, guys. You know Eric Watts is trembling in his boots in the back. <laughs> Eric Watts is probably yelling at his dad to fire this guy. <laughs> we then go to a video package about the tag team of Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. They walk into a department store where they are met oh by some very God. attractive young ladies. This rocks to so help hard. them try on clothes. They're measuring the men, measuring the back mm-hmm. and arms. All of them are just like wow. Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, glassy and glitter-eyed for uh, Z-Man and Gun. I mean, you know. Of course, they're in the changing room. This, this isn't Cactus Jack. A couple of ladies helping them out mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah. They're fitting them for um, boxers. As they're leaving, all the salesmen leave with them arm in arm as they are the hottest new tag team. I did love the uh, that they just kept bringing more clothes and the like manager or owner or whatever had like the old school like credit machine and he's yeah. just like, well, all, they're going to spend this much money? Because they just kept cutting back to him. They're just like bringing, bringing more clothes for... Uh, I hope that they get a tag team name, but they probably don't last long enough for that anyway. Justice for for Z-Man. Tony Schiavone's then in the back with Rick Rude. Gundam Z. They're an American otaku team. (laughs) No, I'm thinking Gundam style. (laughs) Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of giant robots. (laughs) Sexy. Oh, I was going to. Sexy wrestlers? Tony Schiavone's then in the back with Rick Rude. And Tony says, last night, Sting got one up on you verbally. And Rude says, well, tonight it's going to get physical, and I will come out on top. As they had had a meeting of the minds the previous night on a one of the other TV shows. Guess what happens next? Another ad for Slam Jam Volume 1. Oh, sexy wrestlers. That's the first track. <laughs> for Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. Actually, a Tron Simmons theme song. Oh, I know. It's a joke, Matt. JR and Jesse then talk about the arm wrestling competition. 
and we get a video package about it going over the entire tournament. Is it over the top, just, you know, theaters everywhere? Uh, basically, if this mattered at all, I would give updates. <laughs> Shane does not like that I brought up over the top. No, I love over the top. <laughs> I just know okay. that that was a few years uh, later. Before. Oh, before? Yeah. Okay. It was 92 when it was on television all the time, and I was seeing probably it. so. Like, every, like, Saturday afternoon on, like, USA. On TNT, on yeah. But if this arm wrestling tournament mattered at all, I would give updates. But it doesn't because we never see it, ever. Yeah. yeah. It's only on the I was TV just shows. I'm glad that uh, they didn't do it on this show. I expected to see, like, The finals of the match arm wrestling tournament. They show a clip of, like, a match between somebody and somebody, but I don't even remember. But it was, actually, it was actually a shoot arm wrestling competition. So. Oh, yeah. So we don't know who won? I know, I yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, I don't care. Anokiism. We then go to Michael Hayes in the back with Paul E. Dangerously, and what, and what is Paul E. going to do but cut another misogynistic promo? Yeah, in headgear, so it looks like a dweeb while doing it. Like, it's the karate, like, boxing headgear. So we're off to our fifth match. Paul E. Dangerously with Michael P.S. Hayes versus Medusa. And as you said, Paul E. has some headgear on, elbow pads. Oh, he's, yeah. He's protected, you mm-hmm. know. And as they're showing the tell the tape, JR tells us that Dangerously has hit Medusa and that she is just laying in the ring. And then it comes back to screen and Medusa's laying, laying in, the in the middle ring. of the ring. Yeah, but they, don't they show her run to the... Yeah, Med- yeah. shows her running, but then they go to the tell the tape and then yeah. before we know it... They don't, they don't get the hit? We don't actually see the hit. Oh, it's, oh I think you see in replays the... Telephone, right? Yeah, he hits her yeah with the telephone. and it like breaks to pieces. Yeah. Pretty violent. Paulie then begins cutting another promo, saying he wants a kiss. So he leans down to pick her up, and the and a wig comes off. Oh no! Medusa's a man. <laughs> dangerously lifts. <laughs> dangerously lifts Medusa's head, and that's not Medusa. It's the jobber from earlier. Oh yes. The real Medusa then rolls into the ring, hitting a chick kick and attacking Paul Lee. She body slams dangerously, needing him to knock him from the ring. Paul Lee starts leaving towards the dressing room, but Medusa chases after him behind the curtain, only to bring him back to the ring on, on her, her shoulder. shoulders. Medusa looks so badass. Like, just the determination in her face, and she just, yeah, she looks like a shoot badass here. That's it's right. fucking awesome. This is the bad bitch I've been waiting for. Mm. All of a sudden, a clock on the screen shows up, showing two minutes remaining. That's never a good sign. As the match had a five-minute time limit. Okay, I thought it was like a, like a they messed up in the back, <laughs> like and it was just like something where it's like timing for the show or whatever. Medusa's climbing back into the ring when Hayes trips her up from the floor. Dangerously then poses before going up to the top rope for a double axe handle before posing a little bit more. But Medusa's right back up to hit a clothesline as Paul E. turns to face her. Several knees and then a second rope dropkick from Medusa. But instead of going for a pin, she begins to strip him and dangerously just bails out to the floor again as time expires. Because Paul E. Dangerously, the psycho yucky, is not a man, man, man. He was unwilling to do the job, job, job for a woman, woman, woman. So that makes him a pussy, pussy, pussy. (laughs) Gone, gone, gone. As this would be the Uh, last time we see Paul E. in WCW. 
And that's actually pretty sad. I mean, I know he, he goes on to Considering things, the but... next thing we see, man, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay yeah. with he, it. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, this this was some of the best stuff that he's done at WCW. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He went full Pauly right towards the end. Yeah, like this, it makes sense where he goes from here, considering how gnarly this was. Nin- 92, <laughs> 92 was definitely the year of Pauly. Yeah. The year of living dangerously. We then go to a video package for the King of Cable tournament. Ooh, so they tell us about one tournament and then tell us about another tournament. Yeah, but this one's about wrestling. Yeah, this one's actually wrestling. And we see highlights shown from the tournament giving us a recap of how we've gotten to the semifinal matchups. And they tell us that the final will be at Starcade 92. We then go to Tony Schiavone in the locker room with Big Van Vader and Harley Race. And Vader will face Dustin Rhodes in one of the semifinal matchups. Not on this show, though. On WCW Saturday night, the following week. Mm-hmm. Vader then says, it's not if I'm going to win. It's who will I put in the hospital to become champion. Hell yeah, Vader. Vader. Hey, you guys, do you want to know the uh, results I found? Yeah, let's hear about those arm wrestling Arm results. wrestling contests. Oh my gosh. All right. It was the first strongest arm contest. Wrestle War. Held in 1992 in November and December. The first round saw Ron Simmons defeat Stunning Steve Austin. Cactus Jack was, or sorry, Barbarian with Cactus Jack defeated Arn Anderson. Uh, this all checks out shoot-wise. Van Hammer defeated Vinny Vegas. Oh, good Vader on you. Good on you. defeated Nikita Koloff. So in the semifinals, we had Ron Simmons against the Barbarian, and Ron Simmons won. We had Van Hammer against Vader, and Van Hammer won. Oh, man. Which puts... Van Hammer is a fucking beast when it comes to this arm wrestling. Metal, man. Van Hammer and Ron Simmons in the finals, and he guesses who won. I'm going to put my money on Van Hammer. (sighs) Michael? I kind of want Van Hammer to win. Well, you are both... Correct. Oh Woo! my god. Van Hammer defeated Ron Simmons to win the tournament yeah. on December 19th, 1992. And, spoiler, they came back for a second tournament Ooh. in 93. So, what you're telling me Ooh, is that heavy metal Van Hammer is over the top. How does he not get a push out of that? How does he not get a. I guess that movie already happened. Over the top? Yeah, but like, you know, over the top <laughs> too, but this time it's Van Hammer. Ever over the top two through the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the mid card blues. <laughs> so we're off to our sixth match: Ravishing Rick Rude versus Sting in a semifinal match for the King of Cable tournament. There is a twenty-minute time limit on this match, and if it goes the distance, there are three judges to help decide the winner. Do we know if the other ones went the distance and had judges? I have no clue. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, no idea. The judges for this match are Larry Zabisco, The Cruncher. Hiro Matsuda. And Ole Anderson. The ref. Another paycheck. Rude takes the mic and lets us know all about those fat, out of shit. Cut the music. Sting loving sleaze bags. I mean, Rude's got the abs, but Sting's got the face. And, you know, what do you want to look at every day? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Rude's kind of got a face, too. Sometimes. He's not. He's got dad face. 
This thing's got boyfriend face. I do like a dad bod, so... Uh, he definitely doesn't have a dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> the ravishing one starts off with multiple head slams into turnbuckles and starts working on the back of the stinger until he retaliates with a pair of gut busters and shoulder blocks in the corner, working over the rib area of Rude. Multiple gourd busters, head slams into turnbuckles, before Sting sits down on the back of the ravishing one with a reverse chin lock, before switching to an ab stretch, only for Rude to escape with a hip toss. The ravishing one on the attack, again with head slams into a turnbuckle, multiple forearms into the back, goes for a suplex, but the stinger blocks and drops Rude across the ropes. You remember the year of the atomic drop? Yeah. I think this might be the year of the ab stretch. I've been noticing a lot of ab stretches. Well, 92 is almost over, so. Well, it's the second, second half, maybe. Maybe it took this long for me to notice it. Sting suplexes him again across the ropes, and the ravishing one gets caught up, while Sting goes out to the floor with kicks to the ribs. Both men are now out on the floor where the stinger goes for a splash, but Rude moves out of the way, and Sting nails the steel guardrail. It's pretty brutal. It's a rough one. Back of the ring, the ravishing one comes off the top rope with a single sledge and makes the cover, but the stinger gets his boot on the ropes. Multiple body slams, Rude continues to work on the back and hits a vertical suplex. Puts the chin lock on, but as Sting tries to stand up, the ravishing one goes to pounce on his back, but the stinger moves for Rude to bust his tail. Sting starts firing up with chops, goes for a body slam, only for his back to give out, and Rude lands on top for a two count. Don't forget the Rick Rude does the pose, the arms by the head. Yes, but uh, he sells his midsection. He can't quite do it. Absolutely, because Rick Rude, you've got to hit him in the abs right. and. Uh, in Can't this match, with Rick Roode's definitely got to hit Sting in the back. This is a, a light limb match, but there's, they're not limbs. It's, you know, your back and they're your body parts. Yeah, yeah. Attacking a body part. Mm-hmm. It's good scientific wrestling. Yes. Right. I'm, I'm all about it. The Ravishing One starts whipping Stinger corner to corner before hooking on a bear hug with five minutes remaining. Sting keeps trying to fight out, but Rude just keeps coming back to the bear hug until a whip reversal by the Stinger, where he locks on a sleeper, only for the Ravishing One to escape quickly with a jawbreaker. <sighs> Rude then slams Sting's face several times into the mat as we hit two minutes remaining. And uh, don't forget, the Rick Rude blows the snot rocket onto the mat. It's pretty gross. The Ravishing One heads up to the top rope, only for the Stinger to meet him, press slam him off, and follows with a pair of atomic drops and a face slam for a near fall. One minute remains as Sting heads up to the top for a flying crossbody for a two count. No. Goes for a second one, but Rude catches him in the gut on the way down. The Ravishing One then attempts a Rude Awakening, but his ribs are hurting way too hard. After a couple knee lifts, Sting had to work it in first, remind you. Which allows Sting to escape, knock Rude into the corner, and hits the Stinger Splash. Stinger looks to lock on the Scorpion Deathlock, but time has expired. Man. The ref then goes around to all the judges, collecting their decisions. Michael, 
who do you vote for? Sting, because he had his finisher on when the time went out. Shane, who do you vote for? I gotta go for Rude. I'm not saying, like, who I think would have, like, but, like, I'm giving my, it's tough. It's, it's good shit. Matthew? Rude ah. should have won. Ah. But the only reason, I'm, I guess I'm thinking of, like, if there was no time, I think that Rude would have tapped here. Because, you know, just... But there get was a time stretched. limit. I know, I know. Got to play within the parameters. Rude got more offense in. So, Ain't like, bad. in that in that respect, yes. But I was looking at if, like, this went to a finish. Sting has him right here, dead right. Think back over the years, though. How often do you remember seeing Rude tap out? Well, I, I, I didn't get to, unfortunately. I, I, I have no memory. If Judge-wise, it's Rude. But I was looking at it from a different perspective. And I'm, th- I'm, I'm not right to it's do fine. it. It's fine. It's okay to be wrong. <sighs> so we get the judges' decisions. Let's see if they agree with us. Matsuda votes for Sting. Zabisco for Rude. Boy Lair. And Ole for the winner and advancing to the finals. Sting! <sighs> it's because uh, he had a death lock on, man. If it was like another 30 seconds... Rude's but tab- there wasn't Rude's 30 tab- more seconds. There wasn't. He, he That's the argument. That's why this is good. He didn't technically have it on, though. He was stepping into it. He's stepping into it, but he... I mean, he could have just as easily been pulled over into a small package. He also... His back could have given out. Could have. Because, you know, you got to crank that back to get the death lock on. As That's the, why this rocks. <laughs> as the stinger celebrates, the ravishing one attacks him, only to receive an atomic drop to force him out to the floor. And then we get our seventh match. Don't forget the Slam Jam ad. Was there another one there? Oh, yeah, of course there was. There probably <laughs> was. It doesn't probably matter. tuned it out. <laughs> Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat, and Shane Douglas versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham for the unified NWA and WCW World Tag Team Championships. And this is... Technically, face versus face, even though there's dissension in the ranks over between Barry and Dustin. Yeah. Rhodes and Douglas start us off with both men going for quick pin attempts. Then a feeling out happens going on with arm bars, arm drags, and drop kicks before tagging their partners in. And JR brings up that Dustin and Steamboat had won the titles one year prior at a Clash of the Champions, which we covered. Yeah, that's when Sting, uh, when Steamboat comes out with the incredible uh, hokey dragon mask, yep. and like it's he debuts in one of the best like like surprise debuts I've ever seen. I literally believe that was the show right before Shane joined us. Yeah, oh yeah, but my God, like the crowd going wild for Steamboat, and then Steamboat going, mm. ah. yeah, so I cool. Remember, I remember Such... listening to the show and hearing Steamboat debuting there, and then being. I mean, not shutting up about it. And saying Steamboat was supposed to be here, but he left because. Yep. But that mask and just Steamboat in there with some wrestlers for a change. Memories. Wyndham and Ricky both fired up, then they both go for hip tosses, only to be blocked by the other until they end up rolling out to the floor. Shoving starts happening, but the partners come out to calm everyone down because they're all buddies. Yeah. They, had, they share the same locker room. Back in the ring, chops are traded before the dragon with an atomic drop... It's a nasty chop fist, by the way. 
These are these are uh, big loud big loud chops. And an arm drag into an arm bar, allowing Steamboat and Douglas to begin to work the arm of Barry. But he tries to escape with a suplex, only to be blocked and reversed by Shane, and goes right back to the arm work. Wyndham's fighting out again and misses a corner charge, so the arm is being worked some more when Ricky and Douglas hit a double back body drop. Shane goes for a crossbody, but Barry ducks, causing Douglas to land in the ropes. Rhodes is in with an elbow drop, Wyndham back in with a double drop kick with his partner, and hits a snap suplex while Dustin comes in with an elbow drop for a two count. The natural goes for another back body drop, but Shane turns it into a sunset flip for a near fall. And now the champs are working the arm of Douglas until they hit a double clothesline for a two count. And they're doing a lot of quick tags, like Dustin and Barry are quick tagging it up in between all this. Shane fights back, hitting a crossbody for a two count, but Barry comes in with a back suplex to regain control. Wyndham keeps it up with a lariat. The dragon keeps coming in to have words with Barry, allowing Douglas to fire up with another crossbody for another near fall. Dustin tries to retaliate with a drop kick, only for Shane to hold onto the ropes and make his way to the corner for the hot tag. Steamboat's in with multiple shoulder blocks onto the natural, crossbody for a two count, but Dustin comes back with a hip toss and a drop kick for a near fall. Rhodes continues on the attack with an inside cradle and a shoulder block, begins to run the ropes, only for him to run right into Ricky on a leapfrog attempt, and the dragon is hurt. Uh, he gets the natural head to his natural nuts. <laughs> Rhodes doesn't take advantage. No, he Instead, doesn't want the in. He wants checking on his friend. Yes, and you know who's upset about it. But Wyndham is yelling at him to make the pin. Pissed. Barry finally just tags himself yeah, in. Yeah, blind tags his ass in. Giving Steamboat an elbow drop, an inverted atomic drop no. for the two count. And then Shane comes in and Wyndham tells him to hit bricks. Dustin's trying to calm Barry down, but Wyndham just hits another inverted atomic drop. <sighs> and a lariat makes the cover, but the natural comes in and pulls Barry off. Oh my uh, god. The two partners start shoving and slapping each other while the dragon has rolled over to make the tag to Douglas. So when Wyndham turns around, Shane hits a belly-to-belly suplex for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And, and new! Post-match, Barry's on his knees in the ring as Rhodes is checking on Ricky. Dustin goes to leave. Dustin sells this emo conflict so hard. Just like the hand on the hand on the brow down. Mm-hmm. Like the little kid from fucking Dazed and Confused. Can't keep his <laughs> hand off his face. Playing with his hair. <laughs> but Wyndham starts yelling at him from the ring. So the natural comes back and they start arguing. And he's yelling like loud over the top of Oh. Uh, however many people are in that audience, the fact yeah. that Dustin can hear him even from that distance, I know I'm sure he knew he was going to be yelled at, but there's no way that voice didn't make it through that crowd because fucker was loud. Uh, Dustin's flabbergasted. Barry turns his back and he's contemplating what to do. He then turns back around, delivers a kick to the gut and a DDT in the middle of the ring. Mm. Pushes the ref away. That's a fine. 
and then delivers a superplex. Uh, also, he spits on him. Regular spit or it's not rocket? No, not a snot rocket, but honestly, I don't know what's worse. They're both disgusting. <laughs> and more officials come down to help break up the beatdown. We then go to the back, and Jesse's there with Steamboat and Douglas. Ricky says we would have loved to have won under different circumstances. And Dustin is my friend. That I left in the ring to get beat up by his tag team partner. <laughs> well, they were already in the back by the time. Yeah, that, true. Yeah, the I mean, champion, champions typically leave first. Or not, champions typically don't leave first. The losers usually leave first. No, yeah. But we are setting angles up here, guys. Yeah. All of a sudden, Wyndham shows up hitting both of them with a steel chair multiple times. Oh my god. Throwing them into lockers before security can show up to break it up. And JR says his goodbyes as credits roll. Wild, uh, wild ending. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Clash of the Champions 21? It's good. It had its ups, it had its downs. I, hang on, I need to go back to my notes for some reminders here. I love the Paul E. Medusa buildup. I love Michael Hayes hating on Eric Watts as much as I do. The little Pillman swerve was a, a fun treat. And then we dip down into the not-so-exciting stuff with the Eric Watts match, followed by the next couple of matches, which were just kind of... Uh, um, the, the Johnny B. Bad boxing I could do with or without, it didn't really do much for me. But then it picked back up towards the end, because you've got Sting, you've got Rick Rude, you've got Dusty, Barry, Ricky, and Shane... I feel like I'm naming off a boy band there. That's <laughs> um, uh, I mean Barry's the Barry's the uh, the old one. We were like, why is this guy here? <laughs> Look at this. Well, who's who wants this face? He's the uh, is it Chris from InSync? Is he the one that had the doo doo dreads? Yes. <laughs> and there's Kevin from Backstreet Boys. He's the one that just yeah, looked like your uncle. Guy. Yeah. I mean it. It started off hot. It. Gave you some snack breaks and bathroom breaks in the middle, and then it picked up and, and sent everybody home happy with the last two matches. Well, almost everybody home. Yeah, Rude should have won, but I'm still happy, even though I had to sit through a Eric Watts match. And that's all I'll say for now. So, <laughs> I feel like this show was the perfect way I think the show for a match for a show perfect. to be booked I think that the show is like the the like the the wavelength of like the highs and lows are is just like it just makes it so watchable it's just like I feel like that the show is booked to a T for in for consistent enjoyment exactly I think that it's kind of perfect even though it's not the greatest show it, it is not but I feel like it's the most it's like I'm all about watchability when it comes down to it. The goofy stuff is on the undercard. And the goofy stuff's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, I think we're all going to agree. Eric Watts should not be in a in a no, ring ever, no, no, ever, ever, ever. I but mean, that match and was and short, and, and, and he definitely and should not be beating Arn Anderson and ever, Bobby Eaton, ever, who ever. are no. former no. tag team champions. No. Yes, we all agree with that. Yeah, but. Pillman and Ar- Pil- the Pillman Armstrong thing. Twenty-five seconds. Like you're not going to do your well, hot- basically. So, so the you had the goofy stuff on the undercard, even though, but you had a lot of angle building with certain things. Mm-hmm. You had 
setting stuff up down the road oh, in man. the Wyndham. I cared about stuff. all the things too. That's impossible to get me to care about those about everything. And for the most part, every match was pretty good. There's no duds because like even the stuff that's like your silly boxing thing, like yeah, the water part of that is stupid, but outside of that it's like I mean, executed really well. If if it that looks boxing good. match if that boxing match had gone to the third round before no, they had no. done the water, it probably would it would have gone on too. Honestly, long. if the water was sand, then I would then I'd give it fucking four stars for enjoyment purposes. But the water thing is the only thing that took me out of it because I'm like, this is the water just seems silly. Or if they did quarters, because then it's a callback. Have you ever been hit with water? No, I know it's terrible, but it's just weird to me for some reason. I feel like it's not enough. I mean, you pull a, a towel out of the washer and smack somebody across the oh, face yeah. with mm. it. It's, break, it's my, hurt. break my little neck. Don't do that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just, like I said, I just feel like the show was just perfectly booked in that everything just kind of flows and we get some... Fun stuff on the undercard, serious stuff at the top. There's some, like, okay, there's some shows we've watched that have some, like, matches on them that I think are incredible and I love and I, like, they cross my mind. I think about them when I think about that particular wrestler, but some of those shows, I don't know that I would have actually wanted to be at because they were, like, four hours long and I would have had to watch a bunch of things I don't care about. This is a show that I would legitimately would have loved to be at because it's just so enjoyable. Like there's exactly. there's no there's no like to me there's only one piss match and the piss match still has Suzaki, Ar- Arn, and, and Bobby. Bobby. It's also only six minutes and kind of everybody gets a high spot. So I agree. Yep. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So some of the best moments of the show. Hmm. I mean, the we're berry, all gonna the berry love, turn. I mean, the, the berry yeah. turn is I mean, really good. It's it's been seeded along the way. I mean, if we if we were watching the TV show every week, we would see those seeds a lot more. Yeah, but I we still just, knew we about them. We just kind of saw it at the last enough. show. Yeah. But they finally completely paid it off here, and it makes complete sense. Plus, we get a steamboat and. Shane Douglas title win, so I mean, you know, like I'm always, I'm always first. There's Steve only Douglas, one Douglas. match here that doesn't have like, doesn't have, oppor- an opportunity for it to be your moment of the night. Every single one of these, I you, there's an argument for there being a moment there that you enjoyed more than any of the other ones, with the exception of the Eric Watts match. I mean, Two I didn't, Scorpio's four fifty. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna say I don't. Brian Pillman's like you know like. Swerve. Swerve in twenty-five second like, like promo into a twenty-five second match of assholery. I don't Gorgeous. love the jobber in women's clothes making everyone think that's because it was like it's obvious yeah. that oh, yeah. it was not Medusa. No, but by the time the match was over, you forgot about that because you, you cared did, so much. But it was at the like, same oh, time, whatever. I just would rather have Medusa kicking Polly's ass for five yes. minutes yeah. instead of two minutes. And then she just strips him of his clothes and he runs off. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd rather Medusa get a clean win. It was a whole lot of buildup, and then we got just like this teeny tiny sliver of joy from it. But it was, I mean, I, mean, I assume that they were probably like you know planning on doing something again. I mean, that's the assumption. I mean, I don't know if 
But if they knew either way, this wasn't the worst blow off I've ever seen. No, absolutely. That's for damn sure. I'm not saying that it was the worst thing. Yeah, and the Sting Rick Rude match was incredible. Mm -hmm. It's a great match. It's It's, such a good match. I mean, it's definitely the best match on the show. Oh yeah, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish. I mean, this is like we all know why Sting won because. They want a face and a heel in the like. If this was a final, if if this was a if this match like went the distance, it had potential to like be like steamboat rude like amounts of good. If they were like working towards a more like concrete goal, as opposed to this being a like a push, kind of like because it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, that's the judges though, but we all know that rude got more in, so like. If you were watching the match, you still know that it's like, it's not a clean win. There's arguments to be made. It's yeah. you know, it's pushing pushing the feud, and in that regards, it's fucking perfect. Anything disappointing, other than Eric Watts? Yeah, yeah. No more <laughs> Eric Watts. We know. Um, as much as I love the the Pauly Medusa, I wish they would have. Especially, I mean, granted, we don't know the the circumstances of why this was his last time in WCW, but. If it was known that he was going to be leaving, I would have liked to see her actually get a little bit more. Yeah. Of a, yeah. Well, I mean, he probably knew he what he was doing, but he action. definitely wasn't telling anybody. Also, carrying over the theme that I've had on a few WCW shows, I love Ron Simmons, but this is again another show where he is the champion and nowhere near the main event. We can say that about WWF too sometimes. Sometimes. Every, I, mean, I mean, every time that it's not the, on Hogan. He's the champion, but he's still just a mid Carter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and he's not viewed as yeah. I mean, he's the just top not, guy. He's, he's just the guy he's not Sting or Rude. Like, Blair comes not by. many no. people are Sting or Rude. Though, not everybody takes to wrestling like Sting did. Spoiler alert. Rude gets a chance out of this match. So, he's pushed a little bit even more. We, I want that. That's all I want. <laughs> That's all we, what we all want. Yeah, Rude. We like there. Rick Rude is so good that he could be the heel champion for like half a decade yeah. for this company. He's that fucking good. It's a bummer that you know he wasn't over here earlier, but they got him now. And like, who's a better replacement for Ric Flair? I mean, it's not the same guy, but as no. far as like a like a a heel that can work and and do the thing, and is like extremely dislikable. He's even more dislikable than Flair at this point because Flair had been around for ten years, so people just you know came around to him. Whereas like Rick Rude, it's like oh like fuck this guy. Yeah, Rude finally found his voice in WWF and then was gone yeah. Some people are always a babyface, like you're like Ricky Steamboat. Nobody wants to see him as a heel. That's silly. But Rick Rude is the kind of guy that should forever be a heel. Yeah. How about best performer of the night? Hmm. I mean, there's a... Oh, there's... It's it's basically always Rick Rude, right? It's just kind I mean, of always Rick Rude. I feel like you can pretty much give it to anybody on this card. Because yeah. everyone does something that's entertaining. Yeah, like, Too Cold was like Except sloppy, for you, Eric. but he nailed, he nailed what he needed to nail when it came down to it. God, pop so hard for that 450 splash. I totally forgot about that. That is, that is like the best moment of this show. I shit my <laughs> pants. I was like, what in the fuck? Okay, I gotta flip back through to see what... I'm like, I even loved Vinny Vegas in this show. Yeah. Like, that, that whole match is just fun. 
I think Scotty Flamingo joining me bad is an incredible way to spend fucking. It's a three minute match, but you know, it's about probably ten minutes to, or you know, eight minutes if you get all the promos. Yeah, yeah, but all that stuff's done pretty well. But like, it's a great way to spend, uh, you know, the amount of time it takes to eat a sandwich. Anything surprising? I mean, again. Not particularly. Medusa only getting two minutes of time in the ring really Scorpio. doesn't do anything. Scorpio. Scorpio. Yeah. Scorpio. Not Scorpio Sky. Yeah, I know. I was like, I almost said that. I was like, yeah, I think I caught a little <laughs> bit of him wrestling last night. Um, yeah, two, Scorp- two cold Scorpio showing up was definitely the surprise of the night. I want to go back to disappointing just for one second. Mm-hmm. If you're Sting and you know that there's a time limit and you should be able to hear that the time limit is being yelled at you. Why would you go for the Scorpion Deathlock and not a pin after a Stinger Splash? Because yeah. that's not the finish. Okay, throwing my argument against that guy. <laughs> <high face. laughs> uh, uh, no, but um, <laughs> sorry, that's rude. The I mean, yeah, it's the, the same pin, thing I do to you. All yeah, time. yeah, the <laughs> pin. I mean, the pin would have been cool too, but I think it would have been more because the pin he could have also like just if just like behind the backstage politics. For the pin, he still could have like kicked just See, to like throw I, it back I feel at like him. That it's like you can't really do that in the Scorpion Deathlock. But I feel like that would have made for a better ending to the match if he had oh, gone for yeah. the pin and at as time expires, rude. Well, and, out. and then at that point, you guys can't say because it was, literally it was rude. Because literally, or, I mean, it was yeah, that, yeah. You'd be like, oh no, it's Sting because obviously he just got the visual pin. I mean, rude kicks out. I mean, you definitely have to have rude kick out. You can't have yeah, Sting get the right. visual yeah, pin. Yeah, it's just you go to the pin, we're down to the last two yeah, seconds. Yeah, he, he kicks, one, he kicks in know, that, he kicks with Three, the, two, yeah. one, He kicks two, like at the, and, yeah. Uh, and, the, and like yeah. as, he as kicks he's as coming the, down. No. Kicks, at, he can still kick with the he, slap because you can still contest that. Exactly. Because as soon as he does the stinger splash and then he goes to lock on the scorpion deathlock, I'm like, well, obviously he's not going to tap. Like, if no. I... I can sit in the Scorpion Deathlock for 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like you could break my leg for all I care. We've already gotten this far. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Ric Flair had been champion for over two years and had received the new version of the belt, Big Gold, a few months prior when Flair and Dusty Rhodes would meet at the Great American Bash on July 26, 1986. Flair and Hardy defended the belt 12 times during the Great American Bash tour over the course of a month, but his last offense in Greensboro, North Carolina didn't go his way. Inside a steel cage, the two men would face off and both would come out in a bloody mess. Dusty would lock on figure fours, hit elbow drops, but eventually a small package would get the three count and make Rhodes a three-time champion. The American Dream would celebrate being a champion until the Nature Boy would come calling for a rematch. Talking about a rematch, I made just that made me want to go back and rewatch that. <laughs> like some of those old main events that we covered early in the show, I'm, I'm getting nostalgic for them. We were talking off mic about the I Quit match earlier totally in magnum yeah and i was like hmm, i kind of want to watch that and then we're talking about the the dusty wind from 86 and i'm like hmm, i kind of want to watch that next week survivor series 1992 will you survive uh, we'll see you know how i feel about survivor series <laughs> it is our favorite but it's 
We've now covered an entire year, pretty much all with Shane. Hey! hey. I made it. Because he covered Survivor Series 91 with us. That's right. So. He's gonna make it after <laughs> all. The music from this <laughs> week's real show... podcast American. <laughs> <laughs> music from this week's show is Driver's Death, which is the theme music for Clash, and Opening Ceremony by Color Sound. Driver's Death is a hell of a name. Mm-hmm. Opening ceremony, that's Ricky's Steamboat song. Steamboat right? song, okay. correct. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, because Shane's always looking for those. I am, I am. Where's Survivor Series from? Ohio. Ohio. O H I O. Do you have any of those? I wish I had it. Why, 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 why did I ever leave Ohio? <laughs> if you have any of those, email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters!